Spin Run, the RPG talk show podcast. Hey, gorgeous listeners, welcome to another episode of Drink Spin Run. I am one of your two co hosts. I am Adam Scavage, and with me, as always, is my fabulous co host, Don Stroud. Don, how are you doing today, sir? I'm doing swell, thank you for asking. So, um, I want to talk to you about something that I perceive as a little bit of like. Um, I want to say dungeon paralysis on on your part. Is that okay? This is almost an intervention. Dungeon what? Paralysis. Like it's okay. this is almost an intervention from the way I look at it. All right. But not quite. Um, Don, you like the, the the crazy literature. You like the you like the good. You know the 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 the, the Vance and the the Smith and all of the strangeness, uh, the Howard and all of that. True. Um, I True. feel like you kind of are afraid. Of like skirting that 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 point where uh, things just things get weird, man. You know, I, I think you're afraid of pushing it over. Um, you don't you don't go too close because you're afraid of it going over the edge and just getting silly and goofy and stupid. How would you feel about that? Um, sure, maybe. You, you think that that's a thing that you, I've noticed this in you, my friend. Yeah, <laughs> in the several several years we've been uh, podcasting and gaming together and stuff, uh, I feel like you uh, you're you don't want to get up to that precipice because you're afraid of going over. I'm afraid of being too silly. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You're afraid of yeah. going over like, and then and the game just becomes silly and stupid, and then we're not we're not we're, we're not doing anything interesting anymore. Sure. Does don't, that sound like for the sake? We're, we're not. For the sake of the argument... Don, we're yes. not telling you this because we want to hurt you. <laughs> no, no, and, uh, we all care about you very much. <laughs> and yeah. so I'd like to introduce our fantastic guest for the evening. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know him from the Dungeon Dozen. You know him from uh, Zagorian the Hippogriff Lord. Did I get it right? No. But no. You, don't know, you don't know me from that anyway. But yes. No, you probably don't. I mean, you know, you know him from this thing. The Dungeon Dozen is the thing you probably know him for. Or the fantastic images on... Uh, on uh, 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 G Plus and everywhere else, you've uh, worked on. He's worked on so many other stuff. But uh, uh, Jason Schultz is here with us tonight. Hey, howdy! Happy to be here. Um, and I, I want you in a little bit. I want you to tell us about Operation Unfathomable because I really think that that gets up to the edge. That, uh, that oh, it probably Don's... plunges quite over the edge. But we'll. You know, we'll but we, that. you know, I think for Don, we got to know where that edge is so that we can figure out, you know, how far is too far. You know what I'm saying? I say, so, forget the edge. Forget the edge. I like it. There Just, is no uh, edge. There is no edge. Yeah, the edge is an illusion. Mm-hmm. Uh, also with us. From uh, the Wrath of Zombie blog, Hubris campaign setting, and a bunch of other stuff is Mr. Mike Evans. Mike, how you doing, sir? I'm doing amazing, guys. How uh, how weird does your st- is, does, I mean, do you do you plunge headlong into the silly, or do you like stay this side? Do you embrace that as a as a as like a counterpoint to what you do, or is it um, um, a canary in the coal? I'd say ninety percent. I I go right off the edge. Uh, and then even the things that uh, I try to not go off the edge, uh, I, it still fucking goes headlong, <laughs> leaning right off of it. 
so done. I'm like, I'm gonna be this serious this time. Ah, oh, no, killer clowns. What's that? The crack team I've assembled to convince you that that edge is not a bad place to be. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you can go right over. Jason, um, yeah. I, you you soon have uh, Operation Unfathomable coming to Kickstarter and uh, going to be released true. eventually. Um, I've, I've seen illustrations for this thing for years, uh, little snippets of like text accompanying those, telling us a bit about what's going on. Uh, can you give us, I don't want to say so much a pitch, but uh, more like the kernel, the essence, like what is it at its core? Oh, gosh. Um... Well, it started as a as an adventure that I wrote for uh, Matt Finch's Knoxville magazine back in the the early days of the uh, the OS and the R. <laughs> um, and I wrote it as a convention game, so um, with the the parameters of a convention game being a one off, um, the edge doesn't exist. You know, it's mm -hmm. uh, there are no long term campaign ramifications for however silly things become in that. Uh, the, four hours or whatever you're, you've dedicated to playing that particular game. And then um, I went against my own advice that I kind of wrote into that original module um, and used that to launch a campaign. And so uh, mm -hmm. uh, things progressed from there. And in that most natural kind of... Uh, the, the, the product will um, be something that reflects... Uh, adventure material that was born in the crucible of actual play so i mean it worked for me you know this is this is the thing for for don i mean i don't know if uh, th this approach is for everybody um the, the the spectrum of game stuff that's out there is so broad you know that it kind of you know, there's something to represent every kind of style going in and i guess it is kind of a style issue of how ridiculous and silly you are willing to be <laughs> in a game and whether that works um, it worked for me four years later we're still playing the same game that was kind of uh, based on this foundation of uh, of fairly silly gonzo stuff um, it's, it started off as a as a gonzo fun house kind of using the, the parlance um and then became rationalized as, t as time went on. So it, it is internally consistent, you know, even though it does um, go into the gonzo. Um, anyway, the, uh, the the adventure itself is, you know, b basically a keep, some borderlands, and kind of this vast, <laughs> vast underworld that uh, is beneath it. Um, What's unfathomable? Uh, well, the cosmology of the uh, the setting. <laughs> so, by saying operation unfathomable, to me, it says that there's a there's a mission. There's a there's a well, that's uh, or, true. Or it an does objective. Yeah, and that's you know that will be presented as an option. Um, in the convention <laughs> scenario, there's a very clear cut objective of uh, plunging into this underworld, which. Um, is a place it's an other world you know you don't just go down into the dungeon you're actually making a transition into another phase of reality um not unlike entering into uh like hades um you know there are godlings running amok and uh doing their own thing down there um it's it's all rationalized by the existence of uh chaos as not as a um 
like a philosophical concept or whatever, but as like an er substance that like preceded, like in Gilgamesh or whatever, uh, you know, everything was chaos and then order came from that. It's uh, that's kind of the cosmology of the uh, of the setting. So in the at at the heart of the world, in the center of the earth. Um, this substance is still kind of uh, churning away and uh, you know yeah, burning out the, the its remaining energies in a kind of a half-life fashion so the closer you get the deeper you go into the planet the the crazier things become and the, the more uh, physical laws become suspended or are muted or are, uh, you know uh, suspended down there hmm. so that that is kind of the central rationale for why weird stuff happens um and can I, uh, the, the can deeper you go the weirder it gets yeah please go ahead i want to ask you a couple questions about it uh just because you know you, you said a couple of things and it gave me a couple of thoughts that i want to that i want to explore with you real quick um i like the idea of dungeon as like an other space like it, we, we 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 talk a lot about the dungeon as a mythic underworld uh but that myth doesn't have to be one we've heard of before you know uh, sure and I, I like that, uh, the idea of it as another other space. Um, in, in saying that you, you get into the dungeon and now you're in this different place, like where where world where the where reality is different, is it is it important to have like a normalcy outside of that to contrast with it? Or or does that like is that contrast like jarring? Um <clears throat> Or does it depend on your group and your players and all of that? Well, yeah, I mean, I think that's certainly true. It, it depends on the sensibilities of everybody involved, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, in the adventure, that, as we'll present it, there will be a more normal surface world, a slightly less... Uh, um, the, the whole thing, yeah, the, the, the uh, conceit here is that um, the wilderness adventure that takes place on the surface is, st is still influenced by the... Uh, the presence of this of chaos as a uh, as a substance um, affecting the living, uh, um, in that that uh, there were this area was originally covered by um, glaciation that suddenly retreated, and it exposed these entrances to the underworld that were previously unknown, and those uh, those entrances leak chaos and and uh, godlings and other. Uh, creatures from the underworld have access to the surface world where they didn't before. And as uh, conversely, the, uh, the surface dwellers have access to the underworld in this area. So they, they do interact. So it is a weird uh, wilderness area above, but not as. So that, okay. that contrast does exist. Um, is that, is, is it jarring necessarily? Um, no, I think uh, what, once the, the players became accustomed, in my campaign, became accustomed to this you know, the, uh, making this transition from surface world to underworld, it became um, just a normal course of affairs. Well, and it sounds like uh, the, my next question was going to be like about like a threshold or buffer between like the the fantastic elements and then the like the more real or attainable, you know, um, or easier to grasp stuff. Uh, <laughs> that that doesn't really seem like it seems like you had that, but you deliberately. Like you're 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 removing it from the setting, and that that's the point where the everything gets picked up, right? Is when there is no more glacier separating this fantastic underworld from the humdrum everyday existence above, right? So, uh, my it's, initial 
Yeah, I mean, in in my campaign, it's uh, <laughs> even uh, the the surface world is not particularly humdrum or, okay. or mundane. Yeah, yeah. You know, the, so but it is a step down from uh, the the high weirdness of of below of the underworld. Don, I want to talk to you for a minute. Talk to me. How, how you doing there, buddy? You, I'm doing great. You, I'm doing great. You, found, you, I'm, you don't feel bad that I'm singling you out, do you? Uh, no, I don't. Okay, you're used to it by now? Got it. Yeah, yeah, I'm used to it. Um, how, do you, how do you feel about what, what Jason's been talking about? I mean, like, um, I, I'm not saying necessarily, like, in your, uh, like, well, how do you feel about every little detail he said, but in, in your own games, um, I know you've been playing a lot more DCC lately, you've been running that, you've been using mm-hmm. the monsters that have been coming from the uh, random esoteric creature generator for old school games and their monsters right. in Alacra. Nice. Oh, I did it. Uh, <laughs> it's the first time I've ever gotten that right. I did not practice either. It just I'm, yeah, uh, except every other episode of the show. Right. Um. So uh, that seems to me like it's it's a little bit weirder than you normally would embrace. Um, three years ago, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, um. Because, I mean, to me it sounds very much like, almost like Morcock, like, you know, very Elric, um, or what even... It? What's the it that you're talking about here? Um, what did you ask me? No, you, you were talking. <laughs> you said it seems very much like Morcock. Oh, you said, man. The whole lot. Have I been drinking business. too much? Right, no, the... Were you asking me how I felt about what Jason is doing? Well, sort of. I mean, uh, like, you were... I was more talking about your... um, You've been obviously pushing your boundaries, and I I applaud you for that. Uh, I I, I don't care what your boundaries are. If you're pushing them, I'm I'm happy. Mm -hmm. Uh, And you've been using that random esoteric creature generator. I don't even say the whole thing. Uh, and, and, And that seems to me to be a little bit weirder than you might have done a few years ago. Uh, I see. How, how, I mean, I know you tend to have this um, very world design perspective, like, make things uh, internally consistent before we throw any adventure into stuff. Um, how, mm-hmm. how, I mean, but then you're, like, throwing this element of just, just pure randomness at that. All uh, right. How is that you. for you uh, like shaping, I mean, is it shaping how you're doing things? Is how you're doing things shaping how you use it? You know, how, mm-hmm. how's that coming out for you? How's that shaking out for you, man? Um, I see what you're saying now. <laughs> Thank you for paying attention now. It's good. <laughs> it was a combination of drinking and attention. Yes. Yeah, um, so you're basically asking me how, man, yeah. No, I mean, it's fine. It's, it's adding a nice, Man, I don't even know. I I had so much ready to say, and then I just fucking lost it. I'm gonna edit myself out of this whole conversation. <laughs> Not gonna happen. No, no. So, uh, kind of, you're asking where I am. I I picture it as a sliding scale, right? Um, on one side, you've got. Do you want to call it Gygaxian naturalism? Sure. On That's where you side. tend towards, right? Is the Gygaxian naturalism. That's where you have traditionally tended towards, right? Yes, and then that's kind of morphing into, yes, of course there should be some sort of ecology, but also, like, the scale can kind of slide towards the 
mythic underworld, if we will, and not make as much sense. Basically, I just let the players think what they want, right? I'm not even designing shit anymore. I'm just, I'm just like, hey, is there something that happened? Sure, it's weird. Really, you've ruined me. Adam. So you're 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 heading headlong over that cliff, is what you're telling me. You're just you're just you're. You're kind of in free fall right now. Is that what I'm hearing? You're like, you, you've gone off the cliff and you're just going to enjoy it? You write this out? To a certain extent. I don't even know. I think I, so little of the game that I'm actually running. Oh. No, not. Wow. I don't think little of it. I just don't think about it. Oh. I just. Okay. You think. You spend so little time thinking about it. Is that what you're right. saying? Right. Yeah. Right. So are you are you using this esoteric uh, creature generator at the table, or is that something you're doing uh, in prep? Uh, I definitely do it in prep. Um, it's a little hefty to use. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, yeah. I'm, but it's I'm not giving me anything, like, crazy. Like, you know, it's giving me a lot of weird insectoid giant things, which I'm fine with. You know? Um, so can we if talk? If you want to use a... Go for it, Mike. Put a little bit more horror base into it. Use Teratic Tome. Use what? The Teratic Tome by Teratic Tome. Oh, yeah. Raphael, Raphael Chandler. Chandler. Yeah. I actually don't have that. You I do should. have... Uh, it's, 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 it's your fantastic. edition. It's built for your edition, man. It's 1E. Mm, yeah. I have the... Uh, what was the other monster book? The one for Lamentations. Um, yeah, with uh, Jennifer. Loses the, a Turai. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I have that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, I like both of them. I actually prefer Teratic personally. Um, it's less colorful, darker. Um, but and and uh, when I when I started writing hubris and started throwing monsters from that into it, it scared the shit out of my play. <laughs> so, Mike, you you joined this conversation right when I wanted you because um, when when I look at hubris, uh, I'm going to tell you hubris has exceeded my hopes for it. Um, Great. I don't say that just because you're my friend and you're on the show and stuff. Like, I'm seriously impressed with it. I really enjoy what you've oh. done. Um, I, I, you. I saw these two dudes having a conversation about hubris, and one guy says, yeah, but I just want to make my own campaign worlds. Like, if that's your reason for not buying hubris, you do not understand what hubris is, right? Because right. Uh, it's... it's um, it, it, Don's generating random monsters. Hubris is generating a random fucking world for those monsters to be in, right? Right. So, uh, man, I've got a point here to make that is not making itself apparent to me. Do you know what it is, Mike? <laughs> so it's got a toolkit application as well as a uh, setting. Yeah. Well, that's really what it is. The, the, the setting is the toolkit. The, yeah. right. There's like, yeah. here's all the stuff in the tool, uh, you know, toolbox. Have fun, yeah, I like when I when I designed that. I wanted to design something that was taking these things that were influencing me, but not make it a bible. And and that this is my special unique world and this is what I want. Uh I wanted to give ideas and then allow the GM and the players to say, fuck it, this is stupid, let's scratch this out and put this in instead, or whatever. Um, 
but I wanted that whimsy and that sense of gonzo in there. Um, so, like, a perfect point is, so, like, one of the one of the territories I have is the Blighted Sands. It's fucking terrible. It's inspired by things like Dune and Dark Sun and, you know, Conan the Barbarian. And you can come across it, skeletons that are having a tea party. And, you know, and, and it's, it's fun watching the players, what do they make of that? So, like, I, I wanted that kind of whimsy and gonzo in there, that they're used to things trying to eat their face, but now they come across a, a, a skeleton having a tea party. And they try to figure out what's going on. And that writes its own adventure. Okay, so um, let me ask you a couple of questions about that. Do you feel that the major utility of, you know, the gonzo elements uh, is is that it forces people to think about things in a manner that they're not used to thinking about them? Yeah, I, I would. I, I think it I think it takes convention and, uh, you know, puts it on its head like you're unaware of it. Like, uh, uh, to kind of quote Zach, Zach uh, Smith on something, a while back he said that one of the scariest things you can do is just put a single pedestal in a room and a piece of cake on it and that's it and and watch what your players do and and I really I thought that was an interesting approach because it could just be a piece of fucking cake and and they'll freak out about it why is the cake here who put the cake here why is it still fresh and they get into the minutia of it Bring it on, man. Where's the rest of it? <laughs> okay. So, go ahead. Uh, so, like, like I, I appreciate how Gonzo can take something that seems so possibly mundane and turns it on its head. And then it encourages the players to think in a different way than what they normally do. Uh, you know, simple things like, okay, traps. Uh... We all know traps. We've been role-playing for X number of years. Uh, traps are always the same. Blah, blah, blah. Trip it, roll it, whatever. Um, but if you start introducing Gonzo into traps, uh, and and that it it challenges the way they think, I think it engages the players in on another level. Okay, so give me give me a Gonzo trap that you feel would engage... Because I'm going to be honest, I'm having a hard time envisioning a gonzo trap but i uh that's just because i'm on the spot you know you've done it so you tell me about it um uh, like one i would i one i would uh like just trying to come off the top of my head uh i would say uh trying to do one like with I'm trying to think of one i did recently a while back uh one that i did a while back was with uh bees and uh, you, you had bees in the room, and they had gone into a dungeon, and the bees started stinging the person who was the least drunk in, in the group. And so for them to figure out the, the trap and to get out of it, they had to start imbibing alcohol, but then that also impaired them in the dungeon. So it was a, like I tried to come up with a different way uh, for what they had to do, and it wasn't just like, oh, we kill all the bees because there's bees. tons of bees, but if they get totally inebriated, yeah. you 
you know, they get totally inebriated, the bees don't sting them, but now they're fucked up in the dungeon, and now I can warp their sense of reality. Okay. Um, an another thing I would say that I would take, like, from something everyone's seen, like, and if you haven't, you know, I won't say the, the, the uh, spoiler alerts, but, like, Stranger Things, right? You, you could do a, you could do a kind of gonzo trap with, like, Christmas lights. Okay. <laughs> here's, a, here's an example of uh, guns. Uh, I don't know if this would qualify as a gonzo trap, but um, kind of the way that I've approached traps as a trope in Operation Unfathomable mm -hmm. is um, well, one encounter, spoiler alert, spoiler alert is with a uh, creature entity um, called the, Goog the Googlepede, which is uh, like an infinitely long uh, giant centipede that is cruising from a, a hole, an aperture in one wall in a, uh, in a cavern corridor uh, and into another wall, uh, or into the opposite wall. And it's mm -hmm. just trucking like a freight train across this uh, passageway that presumably the players would like to advance across. And uh, it's just moving. You, you don't see the head, you don't see the tail. It's just continuously cruising through at this high rate of speed. And it's about four feet tall, you know, with the legs scrambling. And it presents you with an obstacle that is weird, uh, for one thing. Right. And um, requires you to figure out a way to get over it, whether you're going to, um, you know, a group that I had playing down in uh, at the North Texas RPG Con, um, most of them were athletic and decided to vault it, and uh, plenty of them had success. Some of them got uh, entangled in the in the legs and slammed up against the wall. It sustained some damage that way. But um, if you take any kind of aggressive action against the uh, this surging, stampeding centipede body that's going across the uh, the hallway, you stand the chance of getting uh, it'll throw a coil around you and then drag you down into this hole. Game over for you, you know. Um, anyway, that's that's uh, an example. Yeah, that's a good one. So I uh, I got a question uh, that I think kind of builds on on the idea of just of these these Gonzo elements and how they work in the game. Uh, Dan Domi wants to know how do you steer towards the weird off the wall stuff and still have players invested in the game rather than getting all dismissive that things are getting silly. I would also say uh, you know to kind of add to that like. Um, it's hard. It can be hard to take a silly game seriously, or um, you know, to get invested in a thing that you think is being dismissed as, as nuts. You know, I, I don't know. Uh, yeah. How, well, how do you guys do that? How do you uh, create that kind of uh, involvement on the player's part, or help it, uh, facilitate involvement like that? Simple force of personality. I mean, That's how I do it, man. That's it, the only is way it I do fun? Yeah. You know. Right. It's a short answer, I, but I mean, I yeah. think it's true. No, I I, I agree with that. I, I I think that a it doesn't matter in as long as your players buy in on some level and we're having fun. Uh, like a my time is limited. Our time is limited. Let's just get together and have fun. This isn't high school anymore, where I have sixteen hours to run a game. Um. But I find that having some sense of mund mundaneness in, like, when I was running Hubris, and when I'm running Barbarians of Lemur, uh, Barbarians of Lemur, <laughs> Barbarians yeah. of the Ruined Earth, um, when I'm running that, it is, 
highlighting some of the mundanity of the world that then contrasts that gonzo. So there's still that grounding there. Um, and th that makes it still more magical or, or different. Um, and then getting your players to care about it or whatever, I find that watch them and see what characters they latch onto. See what NPCs they really like. And, and what aspects of the world. And then kill them. <laughs> yeah, you know, like, 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 there's a reason why Hubris was a high octane meat grinder. Like, um, and I mean, it wouldn't kill everything, but the the way I find it is, it, it, like, the way I approach Hubris, and the way I like settings, is so many settings are just fucking tons of fluff, tons of history that the players don't give a shit about. And That's they don't care about thousand year old wars. They don't care about emperors. They don't nothing. I totally like agree that that is a that, that is a difficult buy in there. I'm sorry. Yeah, Go, yeah, ahead. right. Yeah, absolutely. Right. They don't. None of it. Do they? Do, have I ever experienced a player that gave a shit about any of the fluff personally? In the, the sixteen years that I've been playing a game, they do not care. But you put a hobo thief that steals their horse. They will f they will track down that thief across the entire planet seeking vengeance. So it's and maybe maybe something you can take from that is like make things personal, uh, right? Like whether that's the death of a favorite NPC, the theft of a horse, you know, uh, or or just any kind of little thing that, that, that the players themselves would latch onto, rather than right. you know, the characters from the yeah, point of view of their you know their their long-standing history, blah blah blah, whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, and give it a few sessions, like rope them in other ways, but then watch them as they're constantly enjoying, you know, the gong farmer and and having a great time with him, and then suddenly he develops a black lung liver failure, and now they have to go get the witch's spleen, and and so you rope them in in that way, and then you introduce this Gonzo Avenger uh, adventure to save this person that they like. I think you should introduce the Gonzo Avenger. <laughs> yeah, the Gonzo Avenger. <laughs> hey, can we can we spend a second just talking about that word? I want to talk about the word Gonzo uh, for just a moment because it is something that I feel gets applied. I mean, I'm a big it's fan too of bad. Thompson. I'm a big fan of Thompson, right? So, and he's the guy. He's the guy, man. He's that's that's his word. That's his thing. Is uh, is 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 Gonzo. Is I, I I often worry that it's not being used like uh, correctly. Now you guys are clearly guys who I trust with that word because I I know what you've done. I've seen what you do, and uh, I very much think that you guys you know use it in a like I don't want to say respectful, but like a like like an ideologically. Um, I don't. Ah, shit. I, I don't have a good word here. Like, try not to like, dishonor the the memory of uh, Hunter but, S. Thompson. But part of the <laughs> trying not to is like not trying at all, right? <laughs> uh, it, it, there's right. a there's an intuitive nature. There is uh, a, an, an, a genuineness, uh, I think, to what actually makes Gonzo Gonzo because it's it's an experiential rawness uh, that I feel. Um, expresses itself in a disregard for traditional order um 
Yeah. Because we're concerned about the experience that's happening at the table. We're, we're concerned uh, about you know the player's experience of the game. We're less so concerned about, uh, like Mike says, our, you know, and like you know, Jason points out, our often uh, jarring uh, massive amounts of history. I mean, those DMs who become DMs so that they can write the Silmarillion uh, are those. This is not the same kind of thing. This is a more uh, genuine, raw experience that's focused on the game at the table. Is that how you guys? I mean, is, is any of that something you guys can latch onto or get behind? Yeah, I think you're mm-hmm. getting onto something there. I mean, yeah. um, I, okay. go the, on. The idea that everything is to be interacted with, regardless of how. Um, you know, perhaps ludicrous at that moment it might be, but mm-hmm. it, it affords opportunity for people to get involved with uh, the the game as it's unfolding. Um, that that I don't know if I can finish that thought. <laughs> uh, uh, well, Wait, let I, me pour some more what, wine. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> um, See if Charles I, can I, help. I, you. I like what. What, what Jason just said is, I, I agree, like, Gonzo to me has to be intimate. Yeah. Like, it, it, it's it got to be there. Like, the Gonzo Empire far, far away is not Gonzo. No. Um, but the, the thing in front of you that is impacting you and, and eliciting an emotional response and maybe even uncomfortability... Um, that can be Gonzo. Well, Mike, you said something earlier that, like, I, I think is treating Gonzo with the the proper. I don't want to say respect because you know I, I think Gonzo has a problem with authority like that. But uh, like that that treats it in the right way is that it's something that the players latch onto that spurs them to move forward. If you look at Thompson right. and the way he went about journalism, like his his thought that the Gonzo journalism was to move forward into the story where the point where the the reporter stops being Someone, a, a, an omniscient like observer, and becomes part of the story. Uh, I think that that kind of uh, tells us a little bit about how to use those elements in, in gaming, right? Like um, you hit that nail on the head when um, you started talking about like how to motivate players, because I think that it, Gonzo that doesn't motivate players isn't Gonzo. It's just silliness. Um, well, and that's and, right. And there's a difference between Gonzo and whimsy, and I think a lot of time people confuse yes, the yes. two. Yep, I agree. Oh, I put pink bubbles in a dragon's mouth. That's Gonzo. No, that's whimsical. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Oh. That's I'm just wary of the use of the term Gonzo for that reason. You know, I've seen so many people. Ex- you drew the line where I think it needs to be drawn. They 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 <laughs> they, they say Gonzo and they mean whimsy. Right. Well, and I, I think because people are struggling struggling with find like solidifying the ideology of it, which at the same time, if you solidify the ideology, you miss the point what of is it, Gonzo, right. is it really Gonzo? <laughs> that that having been said, I you think know. there's a couple of common elements that that work. You know, um, right? When you guys are writing or prepping for a, a, a game that has Gonzo characteristics, how much time do you guys spend actually like prepping? Like, like writing out stats and planning what's going to be there because for me it's exceptionally little. Right, I I, I don't spend all that much time. I kind of just ba- get a base structure because I don't want to be 
a full dick about things and just make it up on the fly. But I, I want like a loose structure. Uh, but that's why, like with Hubris, I wrote so many tables and charts and whatever because I wanted to be able to also be surprised at the world and what happened, not just by with what my players, but by what is generated. Jason, how that, about you? That, well, Go that's something it. that's kind of written into Operation Unfathomable. Like um, NPC encounters and even monster encounters will have like a, uh, a, a random chart that will tell you what that creature or person is up to at that particular moment and um, what their relationship might be with um, other factions or you know creatures that uh, are, are down there as well. So if so desired that the dungeon master or you know GM or whatever can be uh, as surprised as the players as to what's going on but of course you know it can also be used you can also use that list as uh, or the chart random table as a guideline to choose you know how you want things to unfold as well um, so uh, that randomness can can occur you know either in prep or at the table, d depending. I, you know, I can't help but to prep. But for me, prepping is like wandering around, uh, doing whatever I'm doing in life prior to game time, obsessed with what might happen and uh, attempting to, uh, you know, forecast what what turns the players might make and what, you know what, whether they'll zig or zag and try to think a few steps ahead. In that, I, I can't help but doing it, which is why I'm like into this gaming in the morning thing. Mm -hmm. Which I've been doing kind of uh, with the Bewilderlands campaign. It's like at eight in the morning for me, so I, I wow. actually don't have time to uh, obsess all day. Because otherwise, it would it, it, like a game time of uh, six six in the afternoon or whatever. That whole day, I'm just wandering around, uh, projecting into the the possibilities, you know. <laughs> Which is a form of prep, you know. You're thinking ahead of what they might do and how, what might unfold from that point. So I kind of like actually waking up early with a fresh, you know, a clean palate and uh, surprising myself. So it, it, either way, I mean, it, it all depends. You know, it's situational. So when you find the, yourself the prep thing, when you yeah, when you find yourself prepping, what kind of stuff do you? I mean, like, how do you find yourself like? I guess I kind of do the same thing that you're talking about. That's my type of prep where I'm just I'm I'm going about my day normally, and I think, oh, this would be a fun thing, and I just kind of mentally note it and put it aside. Uh, I'm not like scrawling tons of notes or anything. I mean, is that what you're doing? Are you like writing notes or are you like making the mental notes? And not well, so I ha I have to do that because mental notes for me have a, a lifespan of about five minutes these days. <laughs> but um. <clears throat> um so yeah, I will take notes and stuff, but like it, the actual prep will go into like a some you know a, a location-based adventure. If I know that they're you know they're probably going to storm the gates of the keep or whatever, then that kind of implies that I have to know what's have in a keep. keep. Yeah. yeah, right. <laughs> Try to have a, some vague notion of what the keep might be like. Vague notions are kind of a lot of what I do. <laughs> Done. This is a. Uh, this is this, this conversation is a lot of fun. How are you feeling about it? Where, are you getting things out of it? Or are you? Uh, you've, been, I, you've been quiet again, so I yeah. want I want to know the thoughts that are happening in Don's brain. Well, do you want to know my real thoughts? Anna? Yeah, I do. I really do. I want to know your genuine thoughts. Genuine thoughts. You think I'm so? We're dumb talking for about this up? what's that? You think I'm dumb for bringing this up? 
No, I hate to pull aside the curtain and mm-hmm. show behind the scenes. But when we were talking about the um, topic, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, yeah, I can do this. I've taken enough mythology, um, anthropology. I know, I know what we're going to talk about. And so now then we're I, in a completely different direction than where you thought we were going? Well, yeah. Yeah. Because I was like, oh, let me uh, Google, you know, uh, Mythic Underworld and make sure we're on the same page. And I had no idea of the history of the term in the OSR. And that was kind of interesting <laughs> to learn. Like, I know people throw it around. Mm-hmm. And I understood the concept. Like I said, mythology. Right. Um, I understood the concept. I was like, oh, this is just from this one thing. And, like, all these bloggers are like, yeah, you know, they toss it around like a volleyball um it was interesting to get kind of peel back the i love that we have a record of this like on the internet yeah uh that and you can just follow the little breadcrumb trail um did that lead you to like oh i'm sorry go ahead oh no no go go ahead i was just gonna say we've kind of really touched on nothing of that and it's kind of been talking about the gonzo-ness of the mythic underworld which is kind of interesting uh we do keep on coming back to gonzo on the show uh go ahead jason oh just did your studies lead you to um oh the internet delta? handle is it delta uh, or philotomy philotomy yeah, yes yeah. yes jace is his name jason cone yeah 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 which is okay. interesting i mean uh yeah that's kind of. I think he coined the term. I, I, I'm not sure if that's. It seems true. to point to that. Yeah, in the like, in, yeah, in the history of the OSR, OSR at least. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, but I'm kind. I'm I'm, I'm totally down with uh, the campaign that you were talking about because it uh, reminds me a lot of uh, Clark Ash and Smith uh, Seven Geeses. Do you say Geeses? Geeses? Gesh. I believe it's yeah, Gesh. Gesh. Yeah. Really. Well, yeah, yeah like I looked it up one time. It's, yeah. That's the Irish pronunciation. Yeah. Huh. I mean, it's totally straight up that. Like, the, you know, as he went down through the layers, eventually it was just this primordial birthing of these odd chaos children. So, which to right. me is not, it's not Gonzo at all. I'm just like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. There's a reason. Of course, the center of the planet is chaos. Well, how would well, it be so, anything else? Well, so when it's chaos, though, that also, you know, it, it, it uh, the, the uh, veils between the realities are more permeable. So you may, mm-hmm. you know, a spaceman might be down there. <laughs> For, you know, that, yeah, that's there where was, the, the gonzo elements come in. Yeah, that there way. was one point in my life where I would have been like, oh, spaceman in my fantasy. No, <laughs> but I've come a long way. And now he's playing DCC. And now I'm playing DCC. I I, I think that you have to have some at least gravitation towards Gonzo to even play DCC because your wizard can fail a fucking spell and have his head turn into a chicken. I don't know necessarily that that's that's the case. I mean, I'd I'd like, I mean, I think to a degree, uh, well, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Is that is that it's whimsical? De- definitely on the silly spectrum. Somewhere. Well, it's still spe- it it's, si- it's silly. It is silly. That is still more whimsy than Gonzo. Right. But I definitely think that DCC took a lot of inspiration from more Gonzo influences. Definitely. If you look at their appendix end. 
Do you know what's really silly about the situation, though? If your character, your player character's head was a chicken, to not act like it was a big deal every time he went into a tavern or any place else. Like, that's what would kind of make it not so silly. Like, holy shit, I've got to get rid of this chicken head. That's a serious thing, right? Right. Like, if, oh, I've got a chicken head. <laughs> like, your players can laugh it up. And that's kind of the problem I'm having with DCC sometimes is like, oh, yeah, it's just uh, the funnel. It's temporary. It's silly. Like, this is silly. Well, it implies a world where you might walk into a bar and people just say, oh, well, there's another guy with a chicken head. You know? There's another right. guy with a chicken head, <laughs> yeah, right? Another, there's another well, cock. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's it's funny in a way. You So yesterday when we started playing Barbarians of the Ruined Earth, one of my players is playing a sorcerer. And he's got yellow skin, purple hair, stone for fingernails, and stunted teeth, and lava lamp like eyes. And they roll into town, and I kind of describe the villagers being afraid of him because everyone's afraid of sorcerers. And he asks, because, you know, they're not used to this kind of campaign. And he said, well, how long is this going to last? And I'm like, for fucking ever. Like, everywhere you go, people are going to be afraid of you because they're afraid of a sorcerer. And they don't know you. Maybe your deeds will be sung and you'll be the golden sorcerer or whatever. Or maybe you'll find a way to undo the shit, you know? Right. Uh, I think that that one of the neat things that that, and Don touched on this, and you're touching on it too, Mike, I think one of the things that uh, like the the inherent weirdness of the DCC system, one of the things that it uh, does for us is make us think about the consequences of stuff. I mean, if you cast a spell and you get a chicken head, well, maybe you shouldn't have been fucking around with magic, you know? Uh, magic right. is a big, awful thing that we shouldn't just take for granted and say, I get to cast six magic missiles a day, pew, 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 you know? Uh, right. That, I, that, to me, is the big strength of DCC. Uh, I know a lot of folks look at the randomness of, of that stuff as, like, oh, this is bad. But you can mitigate that so much by making your wizard make sense, mm. and, you right. know? Uh, or, or you can challenge it in like this. Some some people cry that this is a dick thing, but it also makes it interesting. Like, <laughs> make magic illegal. Sure. Yeah. And 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 so magic is illegal. So if you show signs of being a wizard, and you have like tentacle hands or a chicken head or pig snout, like how are you going to disguise yourself to right. survive in this world? Because you're dabbling with something that's illegal. Yeah. Hmm. Um, it, this stuff also implies to what degree you, or to what level of, I guess, seriousness you're to take your own, your character. If, yeah, if you're, right. I, I don't know if, Don, if that's your Don the, is not a character's our, our special snowflakes guy, no. Oh, no? No, okay, no I mean, I do want... That's a barrier for some people, I yeah. think, is that, you know, you, you have, like, a, there's a higher degree of risk, there's a higher degree of your character might not turn out the way that you originally hoped. You might end up with a chicken head, whatever that is. I mean, I totally think that 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 does mess with some players. Like, they really have an idea of what they want to do, and then they're really bummed out when they die, or when they get, like... I've never had anyone get a chicken head. Yeah. It'd be actual... more, more merciful to kill them. Right, yeah. Is that an actual, like, thing that can happen? I know tentacles and eyeballs, like, all kinds of cool, gnarly stuff, but... Anyway, um... 
So yeah, I mean, some people don't like that at all because they do like you want them to have their what's it called? There's a Agency. word. Agency. Thank you. Thank you. I'm not. I'm like jumping out to my next thought before I finish my previous one. Um, but you also like yeah, it's a risk reward. It's it's like it's built in the system. Hey, you can cast this more than once a day, but you're gonna have to deal with this if you go too far. So I think I love the way it is. I wouldn't change it. Uh, to answer Dan's question, is it worth playing DCC? Is DCC worth playing without Wizards? I don't know. Is any game worth playing without Wizards? Probably not. Seriously. No. We need some motherfucking <laughs> Wizards. It's Wizard time. We need Wizards. Wi- it's Wizard time. It's Wizard time. I'm sure Wayne will appreciate that. <laughs> it can't be Wizard oh, time. Oh, there you go, Wayne. Oh, I dropped your name like you asked me true. to. That's what the other days are for when I'm not gaming. Is the not, that's the not Wizard time. <laughs> so Traveler's off the table. T- ah, <laughs> you get- it's, it's never Wizard time. That's sad. Psionics, maybe. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, you got space psionics. Wizards. All right. I'm Point taken. Space wizards. Yeah, space wizards. <laughs> space wizards are actually one of my favorite kind of wizards. Uh, <laughs> hey, this has been a lot of fun. <laughs> I really enjoyed this. I this this shaped up better than I was afraid it was going to. <laughs> oh my god. <sighs> so, Don, tell me. How you feeling? Feeling good about this? I'm feeling fine. I'm not afraid of the precipice. There is, well, you know what? Yeah. I stay away from whimsy. I stay away from silly. Yeah. I'm all about Gonzo to a certain extent. I I still think there's an element of genre hopping. If you hop too far, then that's Gonzo to me. Like, I don't want to bring up Sugar Skull again. I, I, wasn't, was I just, wasn't inviting you to. It's okay. I mean, it you wasn't can. too. It was just too many genres hopped. Me, I love some sci-fi in my fantasy. I X, I love horror. I think that the thing there was uh, I didn't prepare you for it. You know, like Maybe. you weren't you weren't expecting, or you you had there was no. No buy-in one expects for the weird. Sugar Skull. <laughs> exactly. No one expects this, Senior I, I love Senior Trigger Skill. He's one of my favorite weird yeah. dungeon things I've ever done. But yeah. uh, clowns not. do not throw clowns in my no, dungeon. No thanks, no. David Beatty. I love you, but no I clowns. mean, I bet that adventure is awesome, and I do plan on picking it up. And he should be on the show. Yeah, He's but clowns, uh, no, 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 no clowns in my no clowns, mythic no. underworld. But now I want to make it work. Clowns yeah. myself. Yeah. But now I want to make it work. Like, what if? How can I get a clown to make sense? Yeah. Pratchett did clowns well, right? I know how it would fit in mine, so I got it now. Mm. Of course, the Shroom Sultan has to have a court gesture <laughs> of some kind, right? Yeah, it's true. It just makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, Andrew Moss is asking good questions that I don't want to get to because it's like way off topic. So sorry, Andrew. <laughs> we can talk about that at another. I think that's a decent topic for a whole show. So we're gonna we're gonna hold that one. Um, we don't have firm dates of when uh, Jason's uh, Operation Unfathomable is coming out or going to be. It's on nebulous right now. Hey, hey you let us know so we can make sure that this episode yeah. is out in time. Yeah. Um, good. Hubris is still chugging along. Mike's going to have that ready for us soon. How far out do you think we are? I'm hoping uh, by uh, beginning of October. Hey, awesome. Mm, That's great. Nice. 
So nice. we, we might have that product in our hands, you know, well into the third season of, of DSR. That'd be cool. Nice. Uh, yep. I you got you guys. I'm all fired up to run something, but I'm freaking dead tired right now. So uh, congratulations, <laughs> you. Well, that's tipped yeah. me over. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, that's the point. <laughs> All right, well, let's just get started right now. Go ahead. Yeah, let's go. All right, 3D6 I'm order. going let's to go. bed. I've worked 12 hours today. <laughs> All right. Uh, but I, I do think it's that time. It's that time of night where uh, we're going to have to we're gonna have to call this one done. And I, I want to thank you both for being here. Uh, Mike, it's always a pleasure to have you on the show. Jason. Thank you guys again. I appreciate it. Jason, it's fantastic to, like I said last time, it's fantastic to meet you, get to actually talk to you. Uh, oh. You are you are both welcome back anytime you guys want to come on. Yeah, definitely. If you're like, Thanks hey, I'm bored next Monday, what are you guys doing? And we'll, we'll, we'll work you in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll also work you into the rotation of people that you know, we decide to contact at like 5 o'clock in uh, the day we're <laughs> recording. Oh, wait. Aren't, aren't I already on that? You are that guy. <laughs> Let me check my text. <laughs> Tim Callahan. Hands off the list, man. He uh, he <laughs> he he got himself off the list, and because uh, he got a real job. He's a grown up now. He is. Oh. He's no. He's a super grown up because he's the boss. Oh, yeah. of the, the teachers. He's the teacher boss, man. He's the, he got. He's a principal at his school, so he can't do like gaming cool oh. stuff for a while. Uh, he's got to oh, be yeah. the public face of education. Time for one of them fancy internet handles. Yeah. That's what I told him. Like, like Kim Smellahan. <laughs> okay, well, <laughs> you guys have been great. Thank you so much for being here. Don, my lovely Thanks, host, guys. thank you for being here with me. Uh, yeah. I'm going to do the rest of our shout-outs real quick. Um, I want to thank our fantastic patrons over on Patreon. Uh, Michael Jones, uh, Victor Garrison, Steve Sigety. Eric Telvola and Dan Domi. You were there the whole time. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Dan. Um, I also want to remind all of our listeners uh, oh, yeah. that you can pick up the new kick-ass uh, DSR Narcolich t-shirt uh, designed by, is it Matt Warner? War- Matt Walters. Walters. Matt War- Walters. Fantastic design. It looks so cool with the with the green ink. Like I was yeah. worried that the DSR wasn't going to be super legible, but then we did it in green ink, and now it looks so cool. It looks cool. really good. Yeah. So yeah. you can find that on uh, gum.co slash DSR Narco, uh, and those are available for pre-order while we're recording this, and by the time you guys get this on the you know the regular release it'll be available normally so uh head on over there pick one of those up support this podcast if you choose to do that um thank you so much for being here with us uh everybody have a wonderful evening yeah thanks everybody thanks for listening to this episode of drink spin run if you like what you've heard share us with your friends leave us an itunes review or email us at dsr at kickassistan.net you can also support us at patreon.com slash dsrcast. Our theme music was generously provided by the band Blue Snaggletooth, who you can find at bluesnaggletooth.bandcamp.com. Once again, thanks for listening, and we hope you join us next time, you gorgeous listeners. Listener.